said, I called you to go in the land to see the best mode of attack. But if you ain't got the right mindset, you'll come back with your opinion. God don't need our opinion. He needs us to follow him. How somebody had asked me about when do we usually come on in live stream. And I told them usually around 1230-ish, you know, and more or less having a more structured plan as we stream because people were looking for them, even though they get a, a, a notification that we are streaming. But as God was showing me, there's some things that have to take place. Amen. Praise and worship has to go forth. Amen. <clears throat> and so that's why I believe God led me the way he led me this morning. But, amen, we won't be before you long this morning. If you turn with me to the book of Revelations, which is the last book in your Bible, Chapter 2, man. Jesus said, I am Alpha and Omega. Alpha is the beginning of the Greek alphabet, and Omega is the last. And Revelations is considered Omega the last. Amen. Like I said, it's at the end or the back of the Bible. Now, if some reason you in the beginning of the book, thank God we got it on the screen. <laughs> Amen. But Revelations chapter 2, and we're going to begin reading at verse 1. Amen. Revelations chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. And it reads, Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write these, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not and hast found them liars and has borne and has patience and for my namesake has labored and has not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. And for the thought this morning... 
we would like to deal with don't let the fire die out. Tell somebody, if you're watching online, look at your dog, look at your cat, and say, don't let the fire die out. Amen. <clears throat> I would like to read a quote that I had found on Facebook to open. And that quote says this, and I read, the scale can only give you a numerical reflection of your relationship with gravity. That's it. It cannot measure beauty, talent, purpose, life force, possibility, strength, or love, unquote. Uh, and it's talking about someone sitting or weighing themselves on a scale. Now, just in that instance, I believe a lot of us, we get caught up in numbers. We get caught up in uh, what we can quantifiably define as progress based off of what we see on a data sheet or a number or some type of work to measure or gauge progress by. And as with that being said, that uh, as I begin to think about that quote and I reflected on that quote, I begin to think about uh, me and my wife, Audrey. Now, I am a pastor, a young pastor, and uh, before that, I worked every day, and I work for the Board of Water and Light, and that is a 24-7 uh, operation, night and day. And sometimes things can get hectic, especially with two kids. And, you know, especially when you got a baby named Leah who likes to run and terrorize everybody. But that's my baby nonetheless. But... <clears throat> Amen. Life can get hectic, especially we had two small kids back to back. I'm working. My wife is working and we is a revolving door of a household. Then I step into the pastorate and now it's that much more of a revolving door. Now, I love my wife. I do. Me and my wife, we love each other and we get into it sometimes. My wife is the type of woman that will let you know how she feels, you know. And, and I know something is up when she texts me randomly in the middle of the night text. You <laughs> right, and I'm looking at it, and I'm reading it. And there was one instance where uh, I don't know if I was having a bad day pretty much. I was in my feelings that day rushing, and I didn't treat her with the respect she should have got. Right? Now, she, she let me know. Amen. She, she definitely let me know. And I had to apologize and say I was sorry. And for most men, you know, it's a hard thing to do. I'm a man. But you still got to humble yourself and apologize. But, you know, my wife, she claims that I don't listen to her. But actually, I do. And the one thing that rings sometimes in the back of my mind when I think about or end up in certain situations like that, she always, tell, she always tells me, 
Now, you remember, even though she's joking, but you know how women joke, but they ain't really joking. They dead serious. They want you to hear it. And she always tells me, but she always says this. She says, now, you know you got to do what you did when we first got together, right? The things that you did to get me are the things you got to do to keep me. And as I begin to think about that, amen, it was God who began to speak into my ears. And he said, the first things you did when you first got to me, you still got to keep doing those things, even though I'm with you. You can't get comfortable. And so we see that that was the indictment on this church that John the Apostle is writing to in the second chapter of the book of Revelations. Now, to give you or to give a little context to uh, what John is writing about, we see in the opening of the book of Revelations that John, he has a vision. While he is held captive on the island of Patmos, in which he had been exiled to by the Roman emperor Domitian for preaching the gospel of God. It was there on this island. It, it, it kind of reminded me of what Australia was back in the day. It used to be a place where the British threw all their inmates. They just threw them to Australia. Amen. The island of Patmos was like that. It was like Alcatraz. That's just where they throw the throw their inmates. But it was there in that situation that John received vision from God. Now, in his vision, he has a vision of Jesus. Undoubtedly, the one he's dealing with in the very first chapter, who says that I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, is Jesus. It's a glorified Jesus. And I know a lot of people like to look at that and say, well, his feet was as brass, his hair was white as snow. You know, Jesus was a black man. No, here, John had a vision. We don't want to get it twisted. John is having a vision of Jesus who's come to him while he's on this island. And he tells him, I want you to write unto these seven churches in Asia. I want you to write unto them. I want you to write to Ephesus. I want you to write to Smyrna. I want you to write to Pergamos. I want you to write to Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Now, when we look at this all together, we would come to understand, as God has revealed it, that all of these churches actually represent a church age. Now, when we look closer into the vision that John had, we see that Jesus, this glorified Jesus, who he sees is walking in the midst of seven golden candlesticks. And in his right hand are seven stars. Now, the seven golden candlesticks, as revealed at the end of chapter one, are those seven churches. And Jesus is in the midst of them as the prevailing and dominant spirit of those churches. Now, when you think about those seven golden candlesticks, I want you to put in your mind a Jewish menorah, that kind of that candle holder you see on Hanukkah and Christmas. It's got three on each side and one in the middle that's the longest. And each candlestick was a church. 
Amen. Now, they were churches at that time, but they represented a church age. Uh, now, the first church age that we're introduced to is the church age of Ephesus, which is considered from the day of Pentecost to the death of the Apostle John. And around A.D. 33, we see the day of Pentecost has happened. That is the birth of the church 50 days after Jesus rose from the grave, according to the pattern of, amen, the feast of Jehovah that God had so long ago wrote in the Old Testament. And we see now that, amen, from that age on, up to the death of the Apostle John. Now, John, he didn't die on the island of Patmos. That didn't mean the enemy didn't try to kill him. They tried to boil him in oil, but he didn't die. They threw him on the island of Patmos, but he didn't die. Uh, he, as a matter of fact, he was the only apostle to die of natural causes. Ain't that something? I can see why Jesus, when he told Peter, don't you worry about him. You just do what I called you to do, right? Because he said, he looked over at John and said, well, what's going to happen to him? He told him, don't you worry about him. You just do what I called you to do. And if you love me, Simon Barjona, if you love me, Peter, then feed my sheep. Peter would be martyred later on. But nonetheless, we see John, he, through the unction and move, of the spirit of God has a vision of Jesus who is telling him to write and he's writing to seven churches. Now today, you know, we think about John just writing it then taking it to Kinko's and then taking it to, you know, Staples, printing off a few copies and sending them out. No, that's not what he did. He had to hand write seven revelations, right? Now half of y'all Y'all only get to the first chapter, and you're like, hey, we about done with the book, because that's a big book. So he was doing a lot of writing. But see, he's engaged. He's moved by the Spirit of God, and he's writing. And so we see that he sends his first letter to the church age of Ephesus. And, amen, it, and I want you to look at this thing as a progressive thing. Because you see the church at Ephesus, the problems there translated into the next church and then to the next church, as we will get into later. But in this writing, Paul, he speaks to Ephesus and it starts out by the Lord saying that I know, I know, I know what? I know thy works, I know thy labor, and I know thy patience. What else does he know? I know that there are those who call themselves apostles who are not whom you've tested. For it was the apostle John who said, try the spirits. See whether they be of God or not. So you, you've done well. You've tested the spirits. As a matter of fact, there's something else that you have. You have a hate for the Nicolaitans that I hate also. Now, isn't, there isn't much that is stated historically in the Bible about the Nicolaitans, right? But we see in the Bible there were three deacons at the beginning of the church, right? Or those considered deacons. Those three were Philip, the evangelist. You have Stephen, who was stoned to death. 
and you have a fellow by the name of Nicholas. Now, not much is mentioned about him, but history would record unto us through some scholars that Nicholas actually ended up backsliding. And he ended up coming up with a doctrine of free love and fornication. You know, he was just, oh, it's just free love. Y'all can go ahead and sleep with whoever you want to sleep with. All right, that's what history records. And Jesus says, I hate what they're teaching. But remember I told you that each age was progressive. Later on, dealing with the church of Pergamos in verse 15, you will see that that thing that God hated that started out with, as a thing turned into a doctrine. As a matter of fact, there were folks that were sitting in the church with that sad doctrine trying to pass it off. You see how each problem in each church age was progressive. But the Bible lets us know that these were the things that they had, but in spite of everything that Ephesus had going for them, they still had one issue, they still had one problem. And that problem was, was that they had left their first love. Now, I'm not talking about some puppy love stuff, you know, some high school stuff, you know. Oh, I, I love John. I, I love Billy. That was my first love. No, but he says, the first love that you had for me. They had abandoned their love. Now, if you notice, amen, in the preceding verse that he says, I need you to repent and I need you to do the first works. So the, how he knew they fell out of love was the fact that he could see it in their response in action. This church age, see, the thing about it was is that at the beginning of the, the church, in the day of Pentecost, we see the love of the church. As a matter of fact, 3,000 souls were added. What shows us their love is that they had all things common. Amen. They had all things common. They were together in everything that they did. They had a love for God. As a matter of fact, they loved God. They loved the church so much, they sold everything. And just distribute it to each man as they had need. That's how much love they had. Now, if folks say you mortgage your house today in this day and age, folks will call you stupid and crazy. <clears throat> and as a matter of fact, I think that a Tina Turner documentary messed up a lot of folks. Because they'll say quick, fast, and in a hurry, what love got to do with it? <laughs> but we see the love of God exuding from this church age, those first works, when they were excited to come inside the house of God, when they felt the move and power of God flow through them, he said, you left it. You left your first love. First mean preeminent. So their love for God was not a priority like it used to be. See, you think about relationships. The thing about relationships is the fact that, amen, they begin to wane when one loses focus. Just like I told you earlier, sometimes you get caught up in the rat race of life and you get so busy that if you're not careful, you might lose focus on the one you love. It's not so much that I fell out of love. I've just kind of my focus has shifted. Now, notice they had the works. They had the labor. They had the patience, uh, but out of all of everything that they had, they lacked the love. 
um, they lack the passion. And sometimes the problem is, is when we know that the fire is kind of waning, we dive off into our work instead of striving to get closer to that person. So, and, and you know, we, we, we try to quantify our love by numbers, just like the person sitting on the scale trying to define progress. You know, you know, I love you, so I'm going to give you these roses. You know, I love you, so I'm going to give you this ring. You know, I love you. That's why I bought you the purse. You know, I love you. That's why I did this, that, and the other. But yet and still, we've lost focus. It's not become our priority, but we just try to appease it how many of us just come to church and we act like we doing God a favor and we just try to appease him instead of giving him our best effort in our lives uh, a lot of us will come we'll sit down we'll go home and we'll rinse shine and repeat and we'll do the same thing and then we lack the intensity that we once had now notice he said you left your first love you left, you had abandoned it because you lost focus of it and you lost focus on what really mattered. When we see the very last church age, the church of Laodicea or the Laodicean church, we see that they were rich and had need of nothing. Uh, but, found, but come to find out that they were wretched, poor, blind, and miserable. They lost so much focus on what really mattered, they just thought it was about being rich. Amen. Sometimes we forget about why we work. <laughs> you know, we'll say, I go to work and I work all these hours because I want to take care of my family, but yet in in turn don't spend no time with the family don't know what happened to the kids I'm doing this out of love but really I've lost love I've abandoned my love to do things to try to quantify how much I love uh, so then in turn amen see love is an action it's not about the amount. It's not how much of something that you have. But love is seen. Just like uh, the Apostle James said that faith without works is dead. Uh -huh. you, you're justified by faith, right? But how I see and know that faith is that you live it out in your life. Amen. I know you justified by faith in that it was grace or the grace of God that saved you. Uh, but it was Paul who said just because we got grace may sin abound he said God forbid don't you know as many as you were baptized into him were baptized into his death uh, as a matter of fact you got to change you got to consider yourself dead and you got to walk in the newness of life uh, now what Paul was dealing with there was that amen you got to show forth your uh, faith you got to show forth the fact uh, that you are really dead and alive unto Christ so my faith without works is dead and God is saying just because you do something don't mean that you love me I don't want you to get it twisted you're justified by faith meaning that you can't do anything amen or oh, glory be to God to show me you just do it because you love me 
You know how some folks say, I'll do this and I'll do that for you. I'll buy you a house or I'll buy you a car. That's how much you love me. No, that's not how much you love me. That you trying to get me. Remember when I told you my wife always said, you got to do the first things that you did that got me in order to keep me. And I thought about that. I'm like, girl, you tripping. You married. That lets you know that I love you. But she's saying, no, amen, you got to continue to show that you love me. If you love me, you won't abandon me. If you love me, you'll keep me up. If you love me, I'll still be the apple of your eye. If you love me, you'll stick close to me. Love beareth all things, hopeth all things, believeth all things. Your love won't ever fail. So no matter how mad you get, no matter how fed up you move or get, you'll always come back and you'll always show me the love that is necessary. Somebody shout glory. Uh, glory be to God but notice now he says amen or rather it was the apostle Paul who said in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 uh, that though I give my body uh, amen to be burned and though I speak great and swelling mysteries uh, without love uh, amen it don't mean a thing without the love that is within me I can talk in 50,000 tongues I can roll on the floor uh, uh, but if I don't exude the love of God. Now notice God said that the law and the prophets rested on two commandments. It was our love for God, number one. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy mind, and thy soul. And then lastly, he said, love your neighbor as thyself. Amen. But most of the time, we get it twisted. We try to love God without loving people. So rather, let me reverse it for you. Love thy neighbor as thy love thyself. Amen. And you love God. Amen. With thy whole heart, mind in soul. It's easy to love somebody that you've never seen, but it's hard to love somebody you see every day. Oh, glory be to God. Uh, there's a lot of us who claim to love God but hate the folk we look at. As a matter of fact, we claim to love God, but ain't got time for Cousin Willie, because Cousin Willie always asks for money and get on my nerves. I hate to see Cousin Willie come around all the time but God said if you got love for me your love will be seen for me and how you love everybody else so ain't no front ain't no getting it twisted ain't no coming to church every Sunday ain't no paying tithes leave thy gift at the altar and go make up with your brother amen you can't work your way in this thing but you're justified by your faith and I know you're justified because you do the works of somebody that has been justified. Somebody shall glory. 
glory be to God. I'm talking about love. Oh, glory be to God. Amen. Now, the highest form of love is agape love. That's the love that he's talking about. So they left their love for God. They left their feast of love. And they latched on to things that weren't quite love. Now, the Greeks had a few words for love to make sure you knew what type of love they were talking about. The first one was Eros. Eros, that was the Greek uh, the Greek name for the goddess Cupid. You know, the arrows. Eros is just, you know, I love, I like you an awful lot. I think it's love, but I, you just so beautiful that I think I'm in love. You know, it's a lustful love. I only love you for what you can do for me or how you make me feel. It's not the type of love. Uh, you know what I'm saying? That goes beyond that. Because when things happen or let's say an accident happens and you ain't looking as beautiful as you was. I don't really love you like that no more. You know once you get old and you done had kids and you ain't in the shape that you used to be. I don't love you like that anymore. It's a lustful love. And then you had Philea or Philadelphia Philea, meaning a brotherly love. I love you based off of our relationship. But if you're not any close, anything close to me, if you're not a brother, a cousin, a sister, an uncle, you know, if you ain't some a friend of the family, then my love doesn't extend to you like that. You know how we have outsiders that come into the family picnic and you looking at them and you sizing them up trying to figure them out. Uh-huh, you don't you, no, you just ain't getting in the group. I got to get my eye on you. You just ain't coming up in here like that. No, mm -mm. I got to fill you out. Mm -hmm. But then you have agape. Now there's another love not mentioned in the Bible by the Greeks and that's Steno. Steno deals with the natural affection. Like my mom. You know that, that affection you should have unless you're a serial killer or somebody without natural affection. You know because that's my mom I love her. I believe it was Tupac who said that even though his mom was a, a drug queen, even though she was cracked, that was still my my mama. As a matter of fact, I still love my mama. Don't matter who she is. No matter how frustrated I get, that's my family and I love them. It's still a conditional love because it's based off of who you are to me. But then you have agape, which is a love feast. It's a love of charity. It doesn't matter whosoever you are as long as you believe type of love. God God said he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life that's an agape love that despite the work despite the labor despite the things I've had to endure or burn up God I gotta stick with him and I got to hold on to him like never before 
This type of love is the love that goes beyond my mind. It goes beyond how I feel. And it is shed abroad throughout my heart. Amen. It's a type of love that is eternal, that sticks closer than a brother. It's the love that is shed abroad by the Holy Ghost. That's a supernatural love. All the three loves, or the three, or the four, or the three loves that I described first were based off of who I am. But the last love is based off of who he is. It's not based on who I am, but it's based on who he is. Oh, glory be to God. Can I put it to you this way? Amen. It was Paul who said, don't you know that you are the temple of the living God? He said, he that is the temple or he that defileth the temple of God, God shall destroy. Amen. Now, I thought about, amen, a young lady that I work with. She had just had a pregnancy. She let me know I was excited for her. Amen. Now, with the COVID-19 and all this stuff, you know, the social distancing, she took extra precaution why because of her baby it wasn't so much who she was but it was all about who he was amen see I'm extra cautious when I know I got something precious down on the inside I won't treat it any kind of way I gotta keep my distancing I gotta watch what I do I can't defile it because I know the love of God down on the inside is a love that's inside of me I can't let nothing get inside of me to mess up the love that God's got for me. Somebody shout glory. Amen. At least the root of bitterness spring up. Amen. No, I can't let my fire die out. Amen. At least I sow on thorny ground. No, I can't let my fire die out. Oh, glory be to God. But I got to give everything unto God. Now, notice what he tells the church at Ephesus. He tells them to repent and do the first works. That's what he tells them. He says, now you You've left your first love. Amen. You've let it go. Now I need you to repent. Now the word repent here, it doesn't just acknowledge or mean, like I said last week, a turning away from. It means to turn away, but to turn to. We see that in Isaiah 54. He says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Let the wicked man forsake his way, and let the unrighteous man forsake his thoughts and return unto the Lord. Notice what he says. Amen. You have to forsake your way and you have to forsake your thoughts and you have to return unto the Lord. And so he's letting us know that repentance isn't just about a change. It just isn't about me changing who I hang out with. It's not just me changing my friends. It's not me just changing my clothes. It doesn't matter if you put on a long skirt or not but when you deal with repentance amen it means to seek the Lord while he may be found it means to give up your thoughts
hearts. It means to give up your ways in return unto the Lord. So what he's telling them is that you done got away from me. You've lost focus of your first love for me. And now it's time for you to seek me and forsake your wicked way. God defined wickedness as this. In Jeremiah chapter 2, he said, Israel have done two wicked things. And that they've forsaken me and that they've given my glory to another God. Paraphrasing. The worst thing you can do is give the attention that should be on the one you ought to be loving to somebody else. Amen. See, it's never a problem when I love my wife and we come together. The problem is, is if I'm treating another woman better than I'm treating my wife. If I'm treating folk better than I treat my family. God is saying, you got to get back to your first love. You got to seek me out and you got to return. Not because we just grown distant. You abandoned me, which lets me know that love is a conscious decision. Love is something that I make up in my mind to do. That's why it's a verb. You got to do it. Jesus said, "When come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I've been teaching on that invitation. Now there's three things God is telling us to do in all of that. There's three things. He wants you to come, but you just can't come. Uh-huh. Just like my wife said, the thing you did to get me is the thing you have to do to keep me. You come unto God. But notice what he says in the next verse. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. You have to take my yoke and you have to learn. There are three things that are required of you. If you're going to come to me, don't just come and stay as you are, but when you come, you got to grow and progress. Ain't no come as you are and stay as you are and don't judge me. Oh, but love is a progressive thing. Love will grow you. Love will have you producing fruit. Love just don't want to stay at the dating relationship. But love says, I want to make you mine. Love says, you need to be with me. Love says, I choose you. See, when you deal with marriage. Amen. You deal with, amen, that first phase of infatuation. You know, when we getting together, we playing, staying up all night. You done got a little too close to each other on the couch. Somehow his hand rested on your shoulder and laid on your leg. You know that interesting. You're so infatuated with that person that in turn, you know, it leads you to want to get to know them. Now, when you deal with marriage, you know what I'm saying because we got love I had love for all the ladies that I seen that were beautiful but what defined my love out of all the ladies was the fact that I chose to love her amen see when you deal with giving vows he said 
until death do us part. Amen. So both as you lo- as, as both as long as you both shall live. Oh, glory be to God. And the thing about it is, if I could rephrase that, is out of everything, I'm choosing to love you. I like all the ladies. I, I had an eros. I thought I loved every last one that I seen. But because I seen you, there's something about you that locks me in. I could choose to go play around, but right now I'm choosing you. And see, God, when he comes back for his bride, he says, you know what? I'm choosing you. Amen. And I love you. And you love me because I first loved you. So it's not that God is just coming to pick me up because I'm chosen. No, I got to choose him. That's how that thing works. You can't marry somebody that don't want to marry you. We all we, we want to throw out that term destiny. It's my destiny. It's my purpose. It's your purpose to love your wife. It's your purpose to love your husband. That's what I got to do. No, you got to. He that marry, amen, care for the things of the world and how he may please his wife or her husband. Amen. We care, amen, for certain things. As the Bible declares unto us, no man ever hated his own flesh. He tells the wife to reverence the husband because Christ is the head. And he tells the man to love his wife because the wife is the body. You don't treat her no type of way. And she don't treat you no type of way. But what makes it a body is that you choose one another. You work together. You're there together. Remember the first church. You could tell their love because they were together. If I don't ever see you together, that's a problem. Every time I see you, you ain't at church. Every time I see you, you talking about what you gonna do. Every time I see you, you got that same old psalm you've been saying for 14 years. You're being elusive. But God, when he said, come to me, he said, take my yoke upon me. A yoke is what joined two animals together. It was attached to a cart. Amen. Or a plow of some sort. He said, take my yoke. I got this yoke. I've been pulling this burden. Now join me and learn from me. God is saying, when you come to me, you got to join yourself with me. Ain't no one night stands. Ain't no one night blessings. But when you come to me, you got to link up. Then we gonna go at this thing together. Somebody shout glory. Glory be to God. Uh, don't, let, don't let the fire die out. God is teaching us. We can't allow our love to die out. We can't, allow, we can't allow what God has given us to get caught up in numbers. We can't let it get caught up with how many people I see or how many people I know, how many Facebook friends I got, how many likes I get. Uh-uh, love, it goes beyond that. Don't you allow this world to get you twisted. Amen. There's a lot of folks liking a status uh, that ain't even look at the status. And there's a lot of folks saying they love you but they really ain't in love with you. There's some folks that 
follow you just to be nosy. You know, some folks looking to see about you and see what you're doing. They don't care a thing about you. But God, we got to look to him. We know he knows because he did too much for us. Oh, glory be to God. He endured the shame. He despised, rather, he endured the cross. And he despised the shame. Amen. I know his love for me because he showed me. Hey, glory be to God. He just didn't like my status and said, you got to do it by yourself. But he said, learn from me. Let me show you how to do this thing. All ye that labor and are heavy laden, I know your burden. I know your work. I know your labor. I know your patience. I know the folk you got to deal with. I know your trouble. But come unto me. Glory be to God. Come unto me. Join yourself with me. I won't leave you. I won't burn you. I won't break you. Let me love you. Somebody shout glory. Glory be to God. Come unto me. Oh, glory be to God. Now, there's some things we can learn about the work, the labor, and the patience. In 1 Thessalonians, the Bible declares unto us in chapter 1 and verse 3, it was Paul talking to the church at Thessalonica. He says, remember without ceasing your work of faith, your labor of love, and your patience of hope. So it's a work of faith. Amen. You got to work your faith. You got to work out your soul salvation with fear and trembling. Remember I said you'll know my faith by my works. I'm, I'm trying to figure it out sometimes as I go along. You know faith. Amen. I walk by faith and not by sight. I don't always see everything but I'm working it out. Amen. But it's a work of faith. Uh, just like when you get in a relationship you don't know how that person is feeling from day to day they can leave at any time but you choose to stay together and you try to work it out believing in the best hoping that everything that I'm doing matters uh, don't you understand that when you don't feel like what you're doing is enough you feel worthless Amen. sometimes uh, sometimes we can be in certain relationships and it don't matter what we do it don't ever feel like enough I'm working it out and I'm trying to believe have you ever been there with God you doing everything you know to do but you're frustrated all at the same time but faith amen it's the substance of things hoped for it's the evidence of things not seen so sometimes the only thing I got in my cup is faith sometimes all I got uh, is my love for God. Even when I'm sleeping in another room, even when I'm falling out of love, the thing that I'm holding on to, the thing that holds on to me is my faith in God. So even when I'm running on empty, I just look to him. I trust in him because he'll make a way. He said your work of faith, which turns into a labor of love 
Sometimes your labor is out of love. You know how you do something for people and you expect those people to do it back in return. I'm hoping that you would see what I have done. I'm hoping you recognize everything that I put into this. But sometimes it's a work of faith. Sometimes it's a labor of love. I don't see anything, but everything is resting on my love. I may not get the, the ends don't justify the means, but everything is working off my love. But it's not my love because if you got the Holy Ghost, oh, the love of God is shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. So when I think it's just me, it's really the God in me. When I wanted to walk away, it was the God in me. When I wanted to quit, it was the God in me. When I wanted to shut my mouth, I was like Jeremiah. It was like fire. Shut up in my bones. He won't let the fire go out. So don't you let the fire go out. Somebody shout glory. Glory be to God. Amen. And he says your patience of hope. Just because I believe. You know how you keep telling yourself. I know God is coming through. Sometimes you don't always see. You know sometimes you just tell yourself. Even in the midst of your meager situation. There is some patience that's within you. Now see I'm reminded of what David said in the 27th Psalm. He said in this will I be confident. What were you confident in, David? That my heart would not fail me. Why wouldn't your heart fail you, David? When war comes up against you, when your enemies are stacked up, because the Lord is my light, because the Lord is my salvation, because the Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Even the wicked, even my enemies, my foes, when they came to consume of my flesh they stumbled and fell see I know the Lord is see when you understand the word is you understand that God is present tense meaning he's right now the Lord is my light so when I can't see he'll make it bright for me the Lord is my salvation he'll deliver me when I can't deliver myself the Lord is the strength of my life when I'm weak enemy had me against the ropes my God strengthened me somebody shout glory now notice this thing God is he's a very present help in the time of trouble God is a refuge but who is God to you David said my strength my salvation see God is but who is he to you sometimes it's not them it's us sometimes it's not the situation it's me who is God to you if God is your everything oh he is your strength he is your salvation it don't matter the wicked don't matter the enemy don't matter the foe I'm confident because my God is <laughs> I won't let the fire die out. I won't let the 
the fire die out. No, I'm too confident in my God. I know what he's done for me. No, the devil is a liar. He wanted me to quit. He wanted me to turn around. Oh, can I tell you this? Oh, glory be to God. I was on my way to get my children from daycare. Amen. We were stopped by a train. Uh, stopped by a train. You know, I was trying to get there. And then, you know, I got my kids. We made it in time. And then as I'm coming back, we're stopped by another train. And then I'm like, man, Lord have mercy. What's up with all these trains? Now I'm sitting there. I know I'm going home. And the best way to my house is to keep going straight. Ain't no sense in turning all the way around and doing all of that. Uh, now as I'm sitting there, I'm just watching all the cars. There were some cars that came in on this side to position themselves when the train was about to go. But there was one fella in front of me. He got impatient and he stepped out of line. But I promise you, just 30, 30 seconds to a minute, right after he turned out, the train went by. Uh, see, God is showing me there's some of us that is stepping out of line when God is getting ready to take you to go further. See, we talk about we waiting on God but God's waiting on you when you should have just sat still when you should have just loved when you should have just had faith when you should have had patience when you should have believed you stepped out of line oh if you left your first love it's time to go back oh don't you leave your first mind don't you leave your first anointing don't you leave your first blessing don't you leave your power and now is not the time to quit oh, but just wait on the Lord and he shall renew your strength somebody shall glory glory be to God wait on the Lord and he shall renew your strength uh, amen you got to remember amen not ceasing your work of faith. I know you got faith. I know you got works. I know you got labor. I know you've had to test some people. Some people have come to test you. Amen. There's some things that come up against us to remind us that God is. There are certain that crept in unaware who were ordained of old. <laughs> there were some who crept in, right? Amen. And we have to contend for the faith. Now, Jews said, I give all diligence to write unto you the common of salvation. He's not talking about just, oh, man, that's, that's common, right? He's not talking about just the everyday gospel. No, the common, the things that we share amongst one another. Amen. Paul, uh, it was Peter who said, I, amen, I, I'm, I'm, I'm mindful to put thee in remembrance of these things always amen so it wasn't that it was a common gospel but he said it was needful for me to write remember when I told you that John he had to write to seven churches Jude his book is like a page right it ain't nothing compared to revelations but when you deal with somebody who writes something they're intentional 
Amen. See, when I talk about writing, when I have to type a paper, the first thing I do is a rough draft, right? And then, you know, I overview it, look it, revise it, structure it how I want to, you know, let it sit for a minute, go back, look at it. You know, when you type something, that's what you mean to say. So, no, Jude said, this is what I mean to say to you. I was going to write the common, amen, or the things that are common of salvation, but it was needful for me to write unto you to, to contend for the faith. You got to stand on your most holy faith. You got to believe God in spite of. Sometimes you're going to be in a fight with things that creep in unaware. You know that doubt crept in unaware. You know that fear, it crept in unaware. And it's challenging your faith and your belief in God. God said, but I know your works. I know your labor of love. Don't you leave your first love. Don't you leave. Don't you allow the fire to die out. I don't care what crept in. You got to get out. And you got to plead the blood of Jesus. Sometimes in the midst of your mind, you got to say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In my midst of struggle. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. When I'm on the, when my life is on the line. Hallelujah. 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 This ain't going to kill me, but I'm going to fight. I know what I love. I know what I've chosen. And I'm going to fight till the death of me. I'm going to fight the good fight of faith. I can't let this go. I can't quit now. I got too much. God told me, you got all of this. Don't you let it go. Don't you let the fire out. You've come too far to give up now. You've come too far to lose it, to lose your cool, to give in to the demand of the enemy. But fight, fight, fight for what you love. Fight, fight. I love this day too much. Why? It's not because I loved him, but it was because he first loved me. I know he loved me because he loved me when didn't nobody else love me. He loved me when I was broken down. He loved me in spite of what folks had to say. He loved me in spite of my brokenness. I got to hold on to him. You can leave if you want to, but I'm holding on to Jesus. You can go wherever you want to go, but I'm holding on to Jesus. I'm holding on to the everlasting. I'm holding on to my God. Somebody shout glory. Glory be to God. I got to hold on. I can't let my fire die out. He was talking to this church at Ephesus. He said, don't you let the fire die out. See, the thing about it is, is Paul, he founded the church at Ephesus. Mm -hmm. Paul, he labored there for a while, almost three years. He labored at Ephesus. Found a group of people. All they knew was the baptism of John. He told them, well, that's invalid. Jesus is who you need to look to. And so they were baptized in the name of Jesus. They were filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And just as everywhere recorded in the Bible, they spoke in another tongue. And though 
They, though Paul, he had this small group. He taught them. He taught them. But in that particular region of Ephesus, there was a lot of black magic. There was a lot of curious books. There were a lot of there were uh, idol workers in there. That was their greatest uh, foundation for money. Uh huh. They made idols. This great region, right? And, and, and Paul faced a lot of opposition, right? Faced it, but he preached. And he preached so hard that they burned their books of black magic. They burned their idols. You had the folks who were Jewish vagabonds, exorcists. You had the occultic trying to do what Paul did, trying to command demons. You know, that's all they try to do anyway, but they get commanded because they don't know what they're dealing with. Uh, but we see Paul, he preached so hard in that region that there was a change. And so that is, what, that is one of the reasons, I believe, Paul, at the end of the book of Ephesians, writes in that sixth chapter, amen, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, right? Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand the wiles of the devil. I done dealt with some wiles, amen. See, see, don't you leave your first love. You got to hold on. You got to put that armor on and you got to keep it on. God's not coming for a church that's getting ready. He's coming for a church that is ready. Amen. See, see, I remember growing up, amen, and I remember First Lady Cajun. She used to drive the church van. She didn't have a lick of patience, right? After that first beep, if you didn't come outside, she was gone. You know, folks got mad, messing around, called the pastor. Hey, she loved me. Well, they was doodadling playing. Right? God, he ain't, he ain't playing. We got to stick to our first love. We got to go back to the first works. We can't allow our passion or our desire for God to die out. Not right now. We're too close. Right? That was the beginning of the church age. Right? Now, they say that from Adam to Jesus is roughly 4,000 years. And then you got another 2,000 years of the church age, which ends in the rapture. You had the first age of Ephesus, and we believe we're living in the Laodicean age as currently. The only thing holding anything back is the coming of Christ. Everything's ready, it's prepared. You see, the stage is setting. <coughs> It's, it's set. Now you got to be blind, deaf, and dumb to not see what's going on, especially if you know Christ, if you know who he is, to see this enemy working. People so caught up in politics, you know, to marched around with their guns at the Capitol, you know what I'm saying? They done did all that dumb stuff, and it don't mean nothing. Stay at home if you want to, but don't you leave your first love. You better be doing everything you can to make it. Because as I've always said, when those doors close, they're closed. Right? Noah, he couldn't open that door. Those the, the five foolish virgins who come knocking on the door, Jesus said, I never knew you. They were the ones sitting with the other virgins waiting for Jesus. They were a part of the group. But when God shuts the door, 
I never knew you, or you would have made it. If you love me, keep my commandments. You lost your first love. If you love me, keep my commandments. My commandments. We had, when we had a love for God's word. Amen. We were in it night and day. And we were like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring it forth in his season. But we've traded that to become the shaft. Because it's popular to be shaft. <clears throat> it's popular to just roll with the motivation. And we lost the truth of God's word. See, repentance is for those who were rebellious and went off somewhere. Don't rebel. Don't lose focus. Don't you get lulled to sleep to the point to where you, you can't hear what God wants you to hear. See, God is a God of love. I was in there reading Jeremiah. And he's talking about how he was married. And a lot of people will say he's married to the backslider. No, he was married to Israel and Judah who were backsliders. He's not married to the backsliders because sin can't tarry in his sight. So how could he be married? It's God's love, mercy, and long-suffering that he chose to stay. He said, now, Judah, you've seen your sister Israel, but yet you didn't want to change. You is worse than Israel. Then he extends his arm to Israel. And he tells them to come. He tells them to repent. He tells them to forsake their way. Just repent. I'm the God of the, the first and the latter rain. Right? I give you the, 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 the rain that cometh in the harvest season. But yet you'll go and you'll worship another God. You left the fountain of living waters to go into broken cisterns. He called himself a well of, a, of a, a living, a fountain of living water in Jeremiah. That's what he said. He said, Ali, your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Jesus, he said, I got water that you know not of, to where you won't thirst ever again. The same God in the Old Testament, he letting you know who he is. He was just God in flesh. But will you recognize him? But he said, you've traded living waters for something that can't hold water. Trump can't hold water. This economy can't hold water. You see how many times it's failed? I don't care who you put up there. I liked Obama, but he can't hold water. I don't care if you put his wife in here. It won't hold water. Hillary Clinton could be in here. It won't hold water. Ain't nothing in this life, nothing worth Christ. Your company can't hold water. Get fired tomorrow. Economy tank. I'm done tomorrow. Be out here looking like grease. They were willing in barrels of money, $300,000 for a loaf of bread. What economy. None of that can hold anything. He said, Come. Buy, buy without money, buy milk and wine, come. That was a form of invitation. 
Why do you labor for that which satisfies not? Why do you work for bread that don't satisfy you? Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You labor, you're fatigued, you're overburdened, and you're striving for things that can't give you rest. But you can rest in my love. All you got to do is take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Learn of my word. Hear my voice. Follow it. And see, I know you love me if you listen to me. I know you love me if you listen. Forsake your way, forsake your thoughts. Do the first works. He said, behold, I come quickly. I don't want you to miss your place. But I want you to be in the midst of paradise. The train is about to pass. It's almost time to go. Don't you miss your opportunity. Amen. And I don't want to sit here and talk because it sounds like the crowd is saying, I'm done. But I got one more story. I, got, I had a lot of stories. I don't know why I got so many stories. I'm full of them. But there's a story of this woman who is sitting, amen, this woman who is uh, at, sitting at the airport. She sees this old man. His hair is disheveled. He looks disheveled. He's an elderly man sitting in a wheelchair. Now she feels this move and this unction with inside of her to uh, go speak to him. She thought she she was a uh, she was supposed to preach unto him the gospel, right? She felt this unction, but that wasn't necessarily the case. And then she was iffy. And, and, and she, she sat back and she thought about it a little bit more. And she had this, this urge to go brush his hair. It's weird. And she, first she wasn't going to do it. But then she walks up to this elderly man. She says, I, I would be honored if you let me brush your hair. An old man. Like, huh? And she says aloud, I'd be honored if you let me brush your hair. Old man said, hey, I'm about near death. You're going to have to speak up. So she yells, I'll be honored if you let me brush your hair. Everybody looking at her. She looking around, I guess. And he said, he looks at her kind of crazy. Now, she had long, nice hair, but she didn't have a brush on her. She says, I, I, I was just, I felt led to, you know, ask you that. Uh, and, and he was like, well, I got a brush in my in my bag, just reach down there and grab it. And she grabs the brush, she brushes his hair, brushes it out real smooth. And then, you know, she felt led to talk to him about God. So she said, do you know Jesus? And he was like, yeah, I know Jesus. I, I came to him with my first wife. You know, I loved her. And, you know, I chased her right into the church. You know, I got saved because I wanted to marry her. I seen her. I wanted her. And now she's in the hospital. And then the man started to break down in tears. And then she, she says, she comes down. She says, it's okay. It's okay. And she was like, yeah. He was like, yeah, I wanted to go see her after I got off this flight. 
Now I'm elderly. My hair was disheveled. My clothes were messed up. And I just wanted her to remember me in a good light. So I almost didn't want to go because my hair was all messed up. That made her cry. So she gave the man a hug. She smiled at him. And as she was crying, she walked up, and she seen this flight attendant who seen everything. She was crying herself. Right? She was crying. And she said, why would you do that? And then she said, well, I felt God leading me to. And she witnessed unto the flight attendant. She thought she was supposed to witness to the old man. But it was her act of love that had to be seen by the attendant in order for the word of God to go forth. Don't you allow your fire to die out. I don't care how strange it seems. I don't care what it seems like. But when you operate in the love of God, that draws others to the love. Don't you leave your first love. Don't you leave that first mind. I don't care how crazy things get. I don't care how it seems. You stick with Jesus. Amen. Amen. And if there's somebody who wants to be saved, you've been hearing your first mind. God's been troubling you. He's been touching your mind. You can come today. You can come to Jesus. You can come down to 919 Riverview. You can be baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. Then you can experience that love. It'll be a love that you won't let go of. You thought you couldn't quit smoking. You thought you couldn't quit uh, uh, lusting. You thought you couldn't quit. But when God get a hold of you and when you experience that form of love, I promise you, you won't let it go. God, he loves you, and he's reaching out for you. You've seen his love and how he's kept you. You feel him waning on your spirit. You can come. Come to Jesus. We'll come pick you up and baptize you in Jesus' name. But be saved before it's everlasting too late. Come, and you know you got to come. You've been sitting at home, and sitting at home ain't cutting it. You know how I know? Because I see so many people out here. They was fronting in the beginning, stay at home. Now they out like roaches because they can't contain themselves. But it's time to come to God. Don't you abandon the calling of God. We love you, we thank God for you, and we're praying for you and everybody. Amen? Amen. 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 But let us stay walking in the power of God. It's like when I see in this service, even though we want to expedite and be timely, I know sometimes... That love for God makes you got to sit there just a little bit longer. You got to cry out before God. Because that fire, I can't let it burn out. That's why I'm still coming to church. It's because I don't want that fire to die. 
You ever felt like if you were going to stop, you might stop for good. But I, I can't stop. I got to keep going. Amen. Amen. We thank God for you. We love you. Amen. We're praying for you all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, let us uh, continue to be prayerful, especially for all those families who've had people affected by COVID-19. I seen they did something nice for Pastor Ford's wife who just passed away. So that was a beautiful thing. Amen. And we still got to we still got to come together, even in the midst of. There's one thing that I do know is that can't no television, can't no phone call, can't nothing replace an embrace of God. I don't care. When you feel God, amen, but I thank God that we're still able to continue forward, amen, and I'm encouraged. Amen. God is building us up. Amen. As a nucleus, as a core, building us up, and he's moving us forward. And we just going to go. Because it's funny. I believe that a lot of folks expected us to die. They wanted us to. It, it was done. Oh, they still haven't. How in the world they doing all this? Man, you mean to tell me they on Facebook too? Oh, my God. Man, what, what is going on here? Don't let your fire die out. I don't care how dark it get. God always left himself a witness. Throughout those church ages, you see the church goes into darkness. It almost seemed extinguished, but God always had a light. I believe he always had somebody with the Holy Ghost. Somebody knew the truth of God's word, even though they were considered whatever they were considered. But God always had a remnant. And he brought forth the former in the latter rain. And it rained on us heavily. And I'm expecting God to rain on us continually. Amen. Because we got what the prophet Joel spoke of. Amen. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Amen. See, when the spirit goes forth, there's prophecy that goes. There's anointing that goes. Amen. There's dreams that go forth. So I'm trusting in the spirit of God. But you know, one thing I've inquired of, of the Lord, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. Forever. I'm confident my heart won't fail because I'm looking forward to that one thing. I can't fail because I got an appointment with Jesus. I got an appointment with God. Amen. Streets of gold. And as one person said, God don't need no gold. That was just what John saw. That's what he could relate it to in his vision. It was streets of gold. I don't care what them streets is. But I know when God, he gets over us and we change those bodies, you'll be able to fly. Who, who needs a car when you're able to fly? Jesus was walking through. And notice he ascended into the heavens. And he'll ascend down. He ascended. Right? 
And he said, we'll be as he would. So I'm going to sin. So I, I ain't worried about no Toyota, no Honda. You keep that. Just let me get in that glorified body. We good. Amen. Amen. What a glorious sight that's before us. So this is all I see. And then glory be to God. Amen. 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 I don't have any other announcements.